0: Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined today by Lee Sals. Lee is the author of the new book, Sales Differentiation. He's also a fellow keynote speaker, works with a number of organizations on how to grow their business and stand out in the way of differentiation. We're gonna talk about the biggest mistake that professionals make when it comes to differentiation, the difference between what you sell and how you sell, and then how we make sure that We're not falling into this trap of what we perceive as the educated buyer. You're going to learn a ton from Lee Sells. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know?
1: Surprising. Um, How about that in college, I competed in a national comedy competition, stand-up comedy. Really?
0: Yeah, and my wife doesn't believe it because she says I'm not funny. You know what? I get that too. My my wife will say, "Look, when he's fully clothed, he's not that funny." And so I don't know where she came up with that, but and why that matters. But you know, it's something that she brings up. And and obviously, though though stand up comedy may be a resource people come to you for, um, except for our respective spouses, um, (laughs) what what I really want to talk about is this whole sales differentiation. And for starters, what's the biggest mistake that you think salespeople make? when they're trying to differentiate themselves?
1: Well, probably the biggest one that, that I found is that when a buyer box at your price, they blame the buyer. It's their fault for not seeing the value, the meaningful differences in what we're offering. Now you can probably tell from my accent, Ian, I live in Minneapolis, but I'm not from here originally. Uh, I grew up in East coast, New York city, New Jersey, and I moved to Minnesota about, gosh, almost 15 years ago. And as you might imagine, the weather here is kind of tough. You know, we get wind chills, sub 20, I should say sub minus 20 and on, and a lot of snow. And my neighbors, when it snows, you'd think someone just said, let's have a party. They're out snow blowing and they're just having a grand old time. I told you I'm from New Jersey, so I have New Jersey skin, and when you move to to Minnesota, they don't issue you Minnesota skin.
0: That's a shame.
1: Right? So where I'm from, we deal with snow differently. You know how we do that, Ian? How do you do it? We get a guy. (laughs) Exactly. We get a guy. We don't do snow. We get a guy. And so I went on this website to get a guy. No, Ian, not that kind of website, to get a guy to handle the snow, and Went through this process, and and one provider actually contacted me. He lived in the same city that I do in Minnesota, and we had a nice email exchange, and I was planning to use him, and then I got his price. And so there were five uh, snow removal services. When you use this online website, you get his price, and his price was exponentially higher than all of them. Yep. So I sent him a nice note, very simple. I just said, I wish your price – was lower. That's all I said, and I got this long email with him being annoyed, blaming me for not seeing the value of what he offered. It was my fault, according to him, anyway. And this is very common with salespeople: is that when people balk the price, they get defensive and they say it's the buyer's fault. He, he just doesn't get it. And what we should do is take a step back and take that as constructive criticism. Say clearly. I'm not articulating meaningful value commensurate with the price of what I'm selling.
0: Exactly. In fact, in fact, what I often ask audiences is I say, look, so if your client doesn't know the difference between what the other people sell and what you sell, whose fault is that? Is it theirs or is it yours? And the reality is if it's the seller's fault, meaning our fault, then we can actually do something about it. If it was, if it was truly just the customer's fault, Well, you can't fix stupidity. There's nothing you can really do about it. But when it's our fault, we can set a differentiation to help us stand out so that the customer says, like, for example, if this person before they shared their price with you said, so Lee, let me just tell you the three things that our clients tell us we do differently Amen. that are important to them. But what I need to know, Lee, is are those things important to you? Right. And now, all of a sudden, we're having a conversation, and you go, oh, yeah, those things are really important. Well, in order to do those three things that we do that no one else does, here's the investment that it requires. Exactly,
1: and and part of what's driving this is there's some bad advice that salespeople are getting. They get it every day from their management teams. They get it from the articles they're reading, from speakers, trainers, books. And what they're being told is that you are, you are now selling to an educated buyer because there's this new fad, you may have heard of it, called the internet.
0: <laughs> you right? know, I have heard of that. Have yeah. you heard of that? Okay, good. The good. whole WWW yeah. thing, yeah.
1: So there's a question that I've asked salespeople, business owners, executives, and I've asked this all across the country. I've gone up north to Canada and I've been asked this question for years. And the question is this. Who knows more about the world of potential solutions in your industry, you or the people you sell to? And Ian, not one person has ever said, oh, the people I sell to know much more than I do about the world of potential solutions in my industry. It's never happened once. Yeah. So we're telling salespeople that we have educated
0: buyers, and it's not true. Yeah, and the reality is that clients can get, the way I often try to think of it is, Look, our clients can get great information about someone's products or services, but they don't necessarily know how it will apply to their situation.
1: I'll give you i uh, – I'm going to put you on the spot, Ian. Sure. you ready? Yeah. What's the difference between an organic apple and a regular apple?
0: Well, see, there, there's, there's, there's a lot to it. So the difference between the organic apple and the regular apple is that the organic apple is grown with all organic – uh, materials. It's non-GMO. All those sorts of things. You're one of the few people that can answer that question. I <laughs> ask
1: that question all the time in my audiences, and two, maybe three people raise their hands when I say, "Tell me what the difference is." This is a product that we buy weekly, and we don't know how to make an informed decision on that.
0: You think they know how to buy what you're selling? Exactly. Well, and keep in mind, there are also things like you'll see in the you'll see in the store um, something that isn't organic. And they'll say things like it's all natural chicken, which I guess is different than buying vinyl chicken.
1: (laughs) My my wife's vegan, so she might prefer. (laughs) There there you go. There you go.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but it's, but that's, that's the whole point is that very often people don't know the difference. So, and I know that in the book, you talk about 19 different sales differentiation concepts. And before we get into those, I, I want you to share with our audience what you mean when you say differentiation, because they may be thinking a little bit more narrowly than you are.
1: Yeah. So what I'm referring to, I don't just say differentiation, it's sales differentiation. Correct. And this is a, a philosophy I've developed over, oh my gosh, I'm going to be 50 next month, uh, about 30 years. I, and and uh, I'll, I'll tell you a, a politically correct example of this. I I was very passionate about this even as a teenager. And so I, I got pregnant with the idea as a teenager, but I wasn't ready to share with the world this whole sales differentiation philosophy in, until now. Uh, but it's, it's for companies, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what size company you are, if what you're selling, uh, and who you're selling to. There's always a conversation about price. Prospects trying to justify the price that you've put in front of them relative to what they're getting. So that's when the game begins. Did the salesperson demonstrate enough value to support the price that's put in front of them? Well, the core tenant or purpose of sales differentiation is to help salespeople win more deals at the prices they want. And there's two components to it. There's sales differentiation around what you sell and sales differentiation around how you sell. One of the challenges on the what you sell side that I I see a lot of you and I'm sure you do as well. You'll see executive teams and salespeople so passionate about their differentiators. They're like, boy, we should never even have to negotiate based on what we have to offer. But they're ineffective at positioning those differentiators with the person across their desk such that that person is as passionate as they are about those differentiators. Uh, I'll give you an example. I shared with you, I live in, in Minneapolis. One of the oddities of, of Minnesota is that every homeowner and every business contracts
0: for their own trash removal. I didn't you know. know
1: that. Any of the, yeah,
0: you know any other place in the country that has it like that? You know what? I, I did not know. <laughs> I know that in our development, not only don't we directly contract for it, I have no idea where these people come from. They show up, they take the trash, it goes away. It's just a magical thing to me.
1: So, so if you ever get a chance to come out this way, Wednesday mornings, there is a parade of garbage trucks coming down my street, representing every hauler you could imagine. <laughs> and each one doing the same thing, pulls up to the home, an arm extends out from the truck, grabs a can, lifts it up, dumps the contents in the truck. It puts the can back down, drives away. You get an invoice at the end of the month. CEO from one of these companies reached out to me and said, Lee, I believe we have meaningful differentiators. We have meaningful values so that we shouldn't have to fight over price. Now, I was intrigued because week after week I watched the same thing. I'm like, boy, there are differences. I'm not seeing it. Well, he was right. They did have meaningful differentiators. And one of them is they have this truck called the Can Be Clean truck. Twice a year, this truck follows the garbage truck and cleans your garbage cans.
0: Ah. That- isn't that cool? Uh, you see, I see. I thought, I thought, I thought it was more like twice a year they clean the truck. Oh, <laughs> and I was thinking, hopefully it's more often than that. But got it, okay.
1: Yeah, twice, twice a year they clean your garbage cans. Yep. And they're the only ones in the state of Minnesota offering that service. And their salespeople didn't know how to have a conversation about that, so we developed what I refer to as a positioning question. It's an open-ended question. That aligns with one of your differentiators and helps buyers think differently about the solutions they have or could have. And so what we did was for their residential salespeople, after they introduced themselves to a homeowner, the next thing out of their mouth is, when's the last time you had your garbage cans cleaned? Because we know they never have unless they did it themselves. And Ian, if you've ever cleaned your garbage cans, you know what a miserable experience that is.
0: You know what? I've done it. I've, I've done it here. We have a power washer, and basically, you put on a hazmat suit. Yep. You shut down the neighborhood. You got to put yellow tape at the entrance to the cul de sac. And um, with a hazmat suit on, you, you put the dog inside and hope that no kids are watching.
1: And your neighbors love it because it just trickles down the street till it
0: gets to the drain. Isn't that yeah, lovely? Yeah, I make, I, make sure, I make sure we do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do it next to their swimming pool. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> just don't get
1: invited over to the next barbecue. Exactly. Pool. So so that question, when's the last time you had your garbage cans cleaned, is designed to help someone think differently about a solution. In this case, their trash removal, a very basic elementary service Yeah, why isn't someone cleaning my garbage cans? Because beyond that, the only conversation someone would be interested in is, can you lower my price? Because as they watch Wednesday mornings, the truck's coming through, they're all doing the same thing. So unless you're saying you're going to save me a nickel, there's no conversation to be had. And so this brings out one of the flaws that we have in discovery. See, we tell salespeople, when you go on a sales call, you need to ask questions to probe for pain or challenges that someone might have. Well, we're only asking questions then of what someone perceives could be better or different than what they have today. But if you agree with me that we know more about the world of potential solutions in our industry than the people we sell to – We can't just ask questions around what they perceive. We have to ask these positioning questions around areas that they didn't know even existed. If I said to that homeowner, what are three things you'd like to have that you don't have today with your trash service? No one would say, boy, I'd love it if someone cleaned my garbage cans because they don't know it exists.
0: Yeah, or or they or my or my favorite bad question people are taught, which is what keeps you up at night? And they might say, Well, what keeps me up at night? Really not up at night, it just wakes me up in the morning is the damn people coming to collect the trash. <laughs>
1: no, you know <laughs> like, <you> what know, my <laughs> wife would say, my husband's snoring.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the, the challenge when you ask that type of a question is you don't actually have a high likelihood of someone picking something that you're good at and that stands out. So this idea of the positioning question I love because now it's something where it's – gee, is that something important to you? There's a a concept that I teach called the client vision pyramid Mm -hmm. that – I'll I'll, I'll frame it for you and you can give me your thoughts on it, which is in this client vision pyramid, we'll say to somebody, if somebody says, hey, you know, I'm I'm calling you guys about trash removal. Well, gee, there's – when people are looking for trash removal, they're looking at one of three levels. The most, the basic effective level is just, look, people come by once or twice a week. They pick up your trash and recycling. They send you a bill. That's effective level. They come when you want them to. At the enhanced level, these are people that maybe have air fresheners as part of it. They make sure if anything falls out, they pick it up, and really just meticulous. At the engaged level, these are people that say, look – what are the other things that go wrong? Well, people's trash cans get smelly and they get nasty, so twice a year they want them cleaned out, and they want to make sure that just everything's meticulous. And if all of a sudden they have a special need because they had a big party or something like that, all they have to do is go on the website and click, and man, stuff gets removed. So, so which level you're looking for? Yeah. And by by creating those three different those three different levels, an interesting thing happens. One is the client says, "Wow, I didn't even know there was such a thing as an engaged level, but now I want it." Mm-hmm. And the the other thing that we see as a byproduct is people will say, "Well, yeah, you know, we went with you, but the other vendors, they they were all at the enhanced level at best. No one else was engaged, and they yes. automatically put other people into these categories that we just made up." Yeah,
1: no, I'm, I mean, you're you're basically saying uh, a different packaging of exactly what we just talked about, which is helping buyers think differently about the solutions they have or could have and not just relying on what they perceive their options to be. Yep. Oh yeah. So we talked about the what you sell side, then we also have the sales differentiation around how you sell. Yep. I've identified opportunities in every interaction between seller and buyer where we can be different. We can provide meaningful value that our competitors are not. From that very first phone call, through how we handle that discovery meeting, through a, documenting a solution, all the way into their, a client and how you perform account management, even a request for references. There's opportunities to provide meaningful value that differentiate you, help you stand out that your competitors are not doing. So let's start at the very beginning. Sure. I said there's opportunities to be different right in that first interaction. Now, there's a question, Ian. I've asked salespeople, and I've never had anyone get it right. And the question is this, who's your biggest competitor? And I'll ask, uh, and they'll say, oh, it's this company, that company, the other company. And will say, well, those are pretty good competitors, I'm sure, but there's one even bigger. And they'll say, oh, you mean that old sales trainer one, the status quo, the choice to do nothing. Also a formidable competitor, but there's one even bigger. Ian, you want to guess who that is?
0: Well, it could be the salesperson themselves, but but I'm going to let you tell me. There's one even bigger than that. Yeah. It's
1: every salesperson calling the same person you are trying to get a meeting. You see, we're egocentric. We think of competition relative to us. But you're calling an executive, a vice president of whatever responsibility in the organization. They have this broad purview of responsibility. They're getting calls and emails from salespeople representing that entire purview and beyond. Uh, You asked before about something people don't know about me. I'll give you another one. I was a history major in college. I went to Binghamton University in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And there was a fact that I...
0: Had wait, hold, wait, hold on. You went to Binghamton and you're complaining about the snow in Minneapolis? Oh, this is worse, man. <laughs> this is worse.
1: <laughs> that training did not get me ready for Minneapolis. So um, so there's a fact that I learned while I was studying history there, and that's this. In the history of business, there has never been an executive that has had the responsibility to meet with salespeople every hour on the hour. Ian, it's never happened. <laughs> So no one has that responsibility, and we have this plethora of salespeople that are calling this individual, trying to get a meeting. So we have to be different in that initial interaction, or we're never going to get the meeting. If there's no meeting, there's never a proposal. If there's no proposal, there's no sale, which means no commission check and no hitting quota. So it's a very logical progression. And so there's a strategy that I, I teach in the book and how to differentiate your approach with prospecting, those initial calls. And that strategy is this. Imagine it's two in the morning and there's a pounding on your front door. Ian, it's the police. They want to talk with you about a crime that's recently been committed. What'd you do, Ian?
0: Well, naturally naturally I was guilty. But, um, but oh no! I'm sorry. My wife said I was guilty.
1: There you go. <laughs> now, Ian, they don't, they don't randomly pick your house and you for this conversation. They've studied the evidence, and that evidence has led them to create a crime theory, and that crime theory has led them to you for a conversation right now. Yep. Can you see where we're going? Sure. A, a sales crime theory. A sales crime theory is based on the answer to this question. Why should they want to have a conversation with us right now? It's not the egocentric side of why should we talk with them? It's why should they want to have a conversation with us right now? So let's say, for example, we sell uh, technology equipment for conference rooms. So what types of evidence would tell us that someone would want to have a conversation with us right now. Well, we might look in the business journal and see that a company is relocating its corporate office. Well, part of that relocation is probably going to be looking at the conference room and a technology need. So knowing that that type of evidence is something that would lead someone to be interested in a conversation with us right now, we then search for it. We look for businesses that are relocating and then when we make a phone call into one of those executives it's not theoretical and saying hey i understand you're the cio and responsible for technology i'm guessing you also handle conference rooms well guess what that's what we do as well we're calling saying hey i just saw the great news about you relocating to rockville maryland with your your headquarters. I'm sure part of that move is looking at technology, in particular your conference room, and looking at the wonderful ways that you can incorporate technology uh, into meetings. Well, that's what our firm provides uh, to CEOs, et cetera, et cetera. So the point is we're not randomly calling. We're not traditional cold calling trying to show up on their doorstep. We're looking for evidence to give purpose for the interaction right now.
0: That's great. And you know what, Lee? I mean, it's it's so, it's something that's so lacking so often in in people in sales. I had a I had a guy call me up, um, several months ago. And this kid calls up. He says, uh, Mr. Altman, so for starters, I see the phone ring. I don't recognize it on caller ID. I made the mistake of answering the call anyhow. And this this young man says, Mr. Altman, this is Justin. And and so I work with speakers and authors just like you because I know that all speakers and authors are uncomfortable talking about sales and about <laughs> money. And and I said, I said, wow, that's great, Justin. What was it about my website? that gave you a sense that this is something I was uncomfortable about. And you and hear you him typing you typing on his keyboard and then and then he, he, he you know <laughs> there's like a little bit of silence and he goes, crap. It's he true. says, you know, hey, you know I'm sorry. I I've read same side selling and I said, you know, Justin, you may want to read it again. <laughs> right? But the thing is that this isn't somebody who was he wasn't born saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to do no research and call people." Somebody you know taught him said? to you know do this. You could have
1: said, "You could have said, you know what? You said you read it. Do me a favor. I'll pay shipping. Send it
0: back to me." Exactly. Well, that would have been a, that would have been that would have been a funnier thing. I just wasn't that smart at the time. But um, but the thing is, you know, I look at it as it's not Justin's fault. It's that it's that someone taught him that it's okay to do that. And this whole idea of these sales crime scenes, thinking. What's the evidence or symptoms that I should be looking for so that when I'm calling up, I'm relevant to them? I often say that in sales, people can either show up as somebody who's there to sell or someone who's there to solve. And -hmm. if you're showing up as someone who's there to sell, there aren't a lot of people who want to have that meeting. But if you're actually showing up as someone who's there to solve something important for the recipient, then you might have something worth discussing. And you're just trying to get to the truth as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and and I and I love these ideas that you've got these broken down into 19 different strategies for sales differentiation because it gives people a roadmap, a formula to follow that can help them really stand out and compete on value versus price.
1: And none of them conflict with whatever sales methodology a company has in place. They it's an overlay, it's a strategy overlay. Yeah.
0: I mean it's just just great stuff and uh I think it's packed with a lot of good information. So, Lee, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about what it is that you're doing and sales differentiation?
1: Sure. So as far as the book goes, um, the book is available in brick-and-mortar stores across the country and your favorite online website. Um, When you do grab a copy, go to salesdifferentiation.com. Mm-hmm. And register. I'm offering my video series to anybody who buys the book. Normally, those are only available to workshop clients, but when you buy the book, go to salesdifferentiation.com, click on uh, the bonus, fill out the form, and you'll get 20 weeks of videos, and it may even be more because I'm having so much fun producing these, um, that will help you put in place the strategies that you read about in the book. And you can also connect with me right from salesdifferentiation.com.
0: That's great. That's great, Lee. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Um, I encourage people to run out and get the book. Um, You won't be disappointed. It'll give you clear ways to stand out, um, not only in terms of your products and services, but as a sales professional and uh, for people on your team. So, Lee, thanks for joining me. Ian, it was fun. Thank you. Lee shares some great insight. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, remember that the educated buyer may not be as educated about what it takes to purchase and implement your solution compared to you. Ask those great positioning questions so that your client understands positionally why what you're doing may be different than what other people are offering. And then I love that sales crime theory. Thinking about, well, what are those traits that someone might have that would make them a good fit for you. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you think I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.